And we're talking, we've been talking about what love and submission or what love and surrender looks like, uh, in, in Christ. And we've, uh, covered, um, what love and surrender looks like last week. What, what does our, uh, relationship with Him look like? He promised us to love us with this, uh, unfathomable love, this love that will never leave. It never goes anywhere. It's the thing that you can count on. It's the love that you can put your absolute life in his hands and trust him with. And so his end of the, the deal was that he would love us and to, through the ages of time. And he would always be there. He'll always be present. He will be in us, around us, for us. And then he asked us, will we surrender to that love? Our role in that is to surrender to him. Um, and I talked about being loved into submission. Do you know this love that you would want to be loved into a surrendered life? Because the surrendered life is the best life for us as his people. And we've been talking about the wrestle for that, the fight for that. Uh, you know, why is it that we struggle to let go when this love is phenomenal? Why is it that we trust in ourselves more than the God that created the whole thing? Um, and we're journeying this out, and we're journeying this out through the different environments that God has given us. Uh, and today, as Kirk said, Danielle and I are going to open up and give you a, a, a window into our marriage. And uh, it's going to be vulnerable, it's going to be risque, uh, it's going to be raw. Um, but as two people that are committed to him and find ourselves in a position of uh, leadership, we want you to know that we're authentic and uh, and we're real. And so we're going to share some things that um, I'd ask that you don't necessarily go blabbing about, but at the same time, um, it will go up on the on the website because I believe the more vulnerable we are, the more vulnerable everyone else can be. And um, I believe vulnerability releases wholeheartedness or the potential for wholeheartedness. And vulnerability releases people who maybe have a wrong uh, mindset or idea of that can never be for me, well, it can be. But the process to it is where we tend to get a little bit stuck. Um, so we want to be real. We want to be raw. Uh, we want to, uh, as leaders here, just say, look, have a look at this. We are dealing with everything that you're dealing with. We are not untouchable if you think we are. Uh, in fact, after today, I hope you don't think poorly of us. <laughs> you might go, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, people think you're superhuman or think that you've arrived um, on this whole thing. And, and you know, we've got to be careful we don't put people on pedestals um, because we're not supposed to put people on pedestals. We're, we're supposed to understand the gifting on people and respect that and honor those things. Um, but don't put anyone on a pedestal. Because uh, when they fall off, you'll fall with them. Um, and, uh, and so we're going to look at this. But I just wanted to start with this, th- these lyrics to this Michael Jackson song. So I went and printed it off. Because um, he talks about being... I think Michael Jackson knew something that the church needs to capture. He talked about man in the mirror. And he said, you know, change starts here. And so he wrote a song about it. And the words go, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. You know, as followers of Christ, we're making constant changes because it's work out your salvation. It's not just a one-off change I got, asked you in, and that's it, Lord. No, Jesus says, no, I've come to completely transform you into my image. In fact, I've called those to be predestined into the image of the Son 
that I love. So Michael Jackson writes, I'm going to make a change once in my life. It's going to, it's going to feel real good. How many of you all know when Christ comes in and actually does a work, it feels amazing? To receive his love that I'm talking about is incredible, and that will take over every part of you. It's not to, we're not to be just this plasticated, oh, yeah, the love of the Father. Oh, yeah. No, it's to grab you, which will bring you to tears and mold and shift. Going to make a difference, going to make it right. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make it, to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, then take a look at yourself and make a change. I've been a victim of a selfish kind of love. It's time that I realize. Here's the challenge. We don't like looking in the mirror. Come with me to James 1, 23. James 1, 23 to 25. You see, surrender in the world is a sign of weakness. But surrender with Christ and in the kingdom is a sign of incredible strength. Paul wrote about that in 2 Corinthians 12. And Jesus said to him, this is how my power gets outworked in you when you surrender. But the world will scream at you, surrender is for weak people. Jesus is a crutch. You heard that? You guys need Jesus because you can't cope in the world. You need something. But in the kingdom, surrender is the start of absolute humility and strength. Paul discovered this and he said, so when I'm weak, then I'm actually strong. James 1.23 shares a, a reality. Sorry, 20, 23, sorry, James 1, year 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. Could be a good thing for some people, eh? <laughs> Maybe not, for Paul Costello. <laughs> But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So we've been talking about love and submission. Easy to hear about it. What about allowing it to go to work in your life? Are we like people that go to the mirror and then forget what we look like? Or are we people that allow his word to perform its work in us through our surrender? Philippians 2.13 teaches us that it's God that goes to work in man for his good will. So we know we cannot perform the work. Our role is to surrender and to submit to the work, yes? 
But are we just hearers of the word and we never get round to letting the word go to work in us which then forms us to be a doer of the word? See, the challenge is you can race off and start doing things and still not be a doer of the word because like we looked at last week, you're just doing everything in your own strength. You can be completely committed to God but never surrender to God so you're actually really just committed to yourself and doing what you think is right in his name. That's why it's surrender that defines commitment. That's why you can find people in the Bible that say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. And Jesus says to them, I don't know you. You never did my will. You were doing your will. You of lawlessness. See, they were committed. They just went surrendered. Surrendered never defined their commitment. So are we a hearer of the word? And then as we hear the word, because the Bible says as we hear the living word, faith is produced. And then that faith is outworked, so now we're actually finding ourselves doing what he says. Being transformed. So we're going to talk about love and surrender, submission inside of marriage. Come with me to Ephesians 5. And I believe God wants us to look in the mirror this morning and ask ourselves some questions. And these questions are going to challenge us. They're going to create a stirring, I believe, within us because no one is void of the process. So men, he's going to ask us, and once again, if you're not married, this still applies to you because you're married to him. And if you are wanting to or thinking about become being married, then it's really essential that I believe that you enter into your marriage with this mindset. And this understanding, you might actually want to go, I don't want to get married after what I'm going to say to you today. And you know what? Paul actually preaches that. You see, if we don't understand God's first intent for marriage, then we're going to get ourselves in trouble. Because if we don't understand God's first intent for marriage is to create oneness with him and one another, then we're never going to enter into that. In fact, when it turns up on our doorstep, we'll probably fight it. You see, we've preached that the purpose of marriage is to have children and to go and spread your seed so the earth can be filled with the people, haven't we? That's what we've been told the purpose of marriage is. We've been told that the purpose of marriage is, oh, it's a place where you have safe sex so you don't cross the line. Well, yes, that is... Right to a measure, but the fear around that keeps people in bondage. And I don't know, my experience catapults them into sex, but anyway. But what did God say the purpose of marriage was? Well, Genesis 2.24 tells you, A man shall leave his mother and father, be united to his wife, and the two shall become... What did Jesus say the purpose of his church was in John 17? What does Ephesians say? That they would be one love, one spirit, one mind, intent on one purpose. So what's the purpose of marriage again? Oneness with Christ. See, God is smarter than we are. He's way smarter than me. So he hoodwinks me. Anyone else been hoodwinked here? In a good way, not a bad way? Come follow me, doesn't give you all the directions where you're going, so you go sweet as and you turn and go, oh, 
But by that stage, you've already fallen in love with him. By that stage, you realize his ways are right and your ways are wrong. And so you can't go anywhere because you've figured that out. But if he told you that before you actually started, you'd never have gone there, eh? And he does that with marriage. You see, it's the second closest environment, the second most important environment that God has given us outside of one-on-one if we're going to enter into it, where love and submission will be outworked. But here's the problem. If we're still living, we're never going to submit and surrender to his process. And this is what we want to share with you today. We want to show you how hard this actually can be or how easy it can be if two people decide and say, yes, Lord, I'm committing to your marriage process. And out of that process, children come. Out of that process, a sexual relationship comes. Out of that process, everything comes. You see, too many people enter into marriage in the church to get, looking for this person to fulfill them. You're going to fulfill my lack. And then it never happens, and then that person sucks the living life out of that person. And if two people come into that in that way dysfunctionally, they're both sucking the literal life out of one another, and that's going to end in one thing, and it's called divorce. And Jesus says, you need to stop and think before you ever enter into this thing called a marriage covenant, which is sealed in blood. See, once again, he puts us as an environment and says, you know what? Here, there is grace if you've, look, I've been married and divorced. As a non-Christian, at the age of 24, I got married, lasted three and a half years. And God has redeemed that. And brought me into a realm which I never thought was possible. So there is grace. If we've made mistakes, there is grace and love here. But let's not make the same mistake. And let's learn and go forward from how he says it's to happen. Yes? So God says, right, here's the way it happens. I've put it in a covenant so it's not breakable. God doesn't break his covenant with us. Okay? He says you can't run away. So you've got to sort it out. One has to love through the surrender to me. That's our role, guys. And the other one has to submit to their head, which is the man. And you've got to stay and work it out. You've got to get into the nitty-gritty. You've got to get into the bits where your hearts come out and it's all exposed, but it's all ugly, isn't it? It's ugly when the heart comes out in the true state because we're going, I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to, I know I've been bought by his blood and I'm going to be bold enough to look in the mirror and see what's there because it's time to make a change. But it's ugly when the time to make a change starts to happen. And it ain't pretty. Because the real you comes out. Hear what I'm saying? We're all washed in his blood. But the unredeemed, the old man that still lives, that needs to be worked out, work out your salvation through the power of the Spirit and the Word, put the flesh to death. When that comes out, not too pretty. But he says, I've put it in an environment where you can't run away from it because you both need to surrender. So guess what's going to happen? True oneness in the Spirit with me firstly and one another is going to happen. Oh, 
You see, for us to find true oneness in the spirit, the potential for the absolute opposite needs to happen, called explosion and division. That's why the church is so divided. Because to find the real thing, you have to have the potential for the absolute opposite. For you and I to have freedom of choice, we have to be able to choose to walk away from God or to God, yes? Same principle applies. If you and I want to be people who truly find this position with Christ of oneness in spirit and one another, not just inside a marriage but in the body of Christ, there has to be the potential for absolutely all hell to break loose and explosion to take place. The car battery works with the positive and the negative, doesn't it? If you have one without the other, no power. Same with this deal. So we are sitting on a knife edge here because he says, you know what, Greg? I've called you to love this woman as I love you, the church, her. And Danielle, I've called you to love this man, so to submit to this man who is your head. She can only submit to me if she submitted to Christ. I can only love her if I'm loving Christ, submitted to Christ, yes? So please hear me, this whole thing is interlinked still back to Christ, even though it's multi-layered. So yes, you know, uh, I surrender to Christ, she surrenders to me. She's, and I'm loving her while I'm submitting, but I'm also loving God back as well, aren't I? So it's multi-level going both ways, and there's a flow. And this is what Ephesians 5 is talking about. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husbands is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the saviour of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in, in everything. Here's a challenge, guys. Are we, are we men that are worth being submitted to? Are we demonstrating something that our wives would submit themselves to through our own submission? And wives, are you worthy to love? Are you, are you a person that a man wants to love because your submission is such a beautiful thing? Your alignment to him. That's really what the word means, your alignment. Ultimately, you take that picture and go, are we doing it to him? He is worthy. And this is the challenge, isn't it? These are really big questions, but God promises an outcome. He promises us life. He promises us, and his promises never lie. His promises come to fruition. If we surrender and do it his way, he says, you guys can have oneness with me of mind, of thought, of speech, of action, of doing. You'll experience my life of oneness, not only with me and you, but with your wife, with your kids, with your 12, with your community. And then a whole world who doesn't know me will look and know I was sent for them. This is the potential that you and I have to become a people of the Spirit. It blows my mind when I read it, and I go, I'm laying my life down for it. I don't know if I'll ever see it in my lifetime, but I'm laying my lifetime in the hope that I'm part of it. Not only one-on-one, -on -one, not only one-on-one -on -one and three, not only with Lily and Maddie, but with you and the body of Christ. 
that this world that so desperately needs the Redeemer would know that the Redeemer was sent for them. Because why? Because we've looked in the mirror, we've surrendered our lives to His, and we said, we're doing it your way, no longer my way, Lord. And He promises you and I, this is the fruit of this if you would surrender. His promises never lie. He is not a God that does lie. But what he says is he looks and says, who wants to do it my way? So for me to love Danielle, I must be in love with him. And I must be surrendered daily to him. Because at times, and this is what you're going to hear, sometimes I'm struggling. The behavior is times it's hard to love. And my human love has been exposed at times. And I've got to keep coming before him and saying, Lord, help. Help me. I want to surrender more to you so I can love not only Danielle, but Lily and Maddie and you guys with the love of the Father. But I'm being found out a little bit here. My human love is being found out. It's being exposed because the behavior is exposing my lack. But as I surrender to you and as I put myself at your feet like Mary and as I let you go to work in me because I cannot change me. I can't change the world. Good, Greg. I never asked you to change the world, by the way, Michael Jackson. I change everybody. And we surrender. I've discovered in the last five years I have more love for this beautiful woman that God has called me into a marriage covenant with. I have more love for her. Not a human love. You see, if she has my heart, I can't love her like God wants me to. Danielle does not have my heart. My children do not have my heart. God has my heart. I gave him my whole heart 15 years ago. That has enabled me to love her like he loves me. Why? Because she can't hurt it. Because she doesn't have it. That's a challenge, isn't it? Someone doesn't have your heart, they can't hurt it. Love me with... Ooh. Ooh. See, a divided heart is ultimately a broken heart, and Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. So you can't love him with all your heart if everyone else has got your heart. So who many pieces have you given your heart away to? Because ultimately that's how you're going to love him, and it's how you're going to love others. But I am for her. And I've told her countless times, I am for you. I'm for you. And we need to keep saying that because when flesh meets flesh at times or this thing's trying to outwork love and submission, if we don't know that we're for one another, then the wrong we have a wrong viewpoint. You're now my enemy. No, I'm not. I'm in your team. But I'm being compelled to share something with you because I see something that love is compelled to make you aware of it because God has more for you than that and that's not him. And I am for you today. I tell you I am for you because I want to. what I need to share with you, babe, is something that has the possibility to rip us apart maybe. So I've said I am for her. I am for her. I am for you. I'm not against you. I am for you. But I have to say things at times that you might think he's against me. I'm not. I'm for you. We are for one another. Can you hear what I'm saying? But if you look through the flesh when it's on, then instead of running to, you're running away. Same with him. 
You're running away instead of running too because you don't realize he's for you and he has to come and bring his sword, his word, and it's going to be tough. He's going to say something that's going to hurt because your flesh isn't going to like it. But he's saying, I am for you. I love you. I'm compelled to show you. I'm here, rich young ruler, to tell you. And see, love runs the risk of separation. But it has to go. It doesn't want to, but it runs the risk of broken relationship. Why? Because it sees a brother or a sister in a position that's not of Christ, and it's killing them, ultimately, even if they think it's not, and it comes in love, in respect, but with the power of God, and it speaks. But will we surrender to it? That's our challenge, isn't it? And inside this covenant, this is where he says, outwork it, so it can flow into your children. So it can flow into your 12. Outwork it here. We're too busy trying to save the world. We haven't even got our own house tidy. What are we going to save them to? Where are they going to come? I'll come back to my dysfunctional home. No, come back to the wholehearted people. Come back to a home of love and acceptance and value where you'll, everyone's laying their lives down for this person called Jesus and are one with one another. Who are you guys? Or do they come and just go, you're no different to the world. You look like it, you smell like it, you sound like it. I'm talking to me. I see fractions and brokenness and, and yeah, God's grace covers all that. Hear what I'm saying? But are we looking in the mirror? In the marriage, are we looking in the mirror? Here's four things, and Danny's going to come up and just speak. So the absolute position, there are four positions. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit. That's the perfect model, isn't it? Wives, submit. What happens when the wife submits, but the husband doesn't love? Wives, you've got to submit. Use wisdom. I can't give you all the context around this because we'd be here forever. So I'm not saying, you know, if you're being physically abused, no, I'm not saying that. Okay? But the Bible talks about loving your husband into a, into love. Love him into it. As you demonstrate Christ because you're surrendered, love him. Be patient. Don't nag. Wait on the Lord. Don't give him a to-do list. and That's what you need to look like. And by the way, you need to look like it six months ago. Husbands, wake up. Husbands, what happens when you love but your wife's not submitting? Surrendering. See, both these positions are possible. You can be loving, you can be loving, and your wife doesn't even know it. In fact, she's actually saying you're not. What do you do then? What do you do when you're loving and you're getting told you're not? Then you continue to love. And you be patient and you wait. And you pray. And you pray and you pray and you pray. And you continue to surrender your life to Christ. So he has more love. He puts more love. So you're able to love what's coming at you that's not love. 
What happens when the husband doesn't love and the wife doesn't surrender? You see, out of those four positions, there's only one completes the picture. Husbands love because we're surrendered. Wives submit surrender because of love. You're up. Well, here I am. Now, um, I was just saying to the Lord in the car this morning that this is a bit of an F and O moment, isn't it? Faith and obedience. <sighs> okay. So Greg was talking about last week, you know, Greg and Danny, we're going to be tag teaming. And I was sitting there going, I never said yes. <laughs> what, what happened with me actually answering? He's like, oh, you are going to. It's okay. It's, 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 oh, really? Okay. Here we go. So um, I spoke a little bit to this um, at Radiance, and um, I thought that um, today was going to be the same. And um, it's it's not, actually. It's um, a little bit more raw. So go with me and just help me. Um, it's quite vulnerable, actually. But a little bit might be. And I'm just going to start with the same way I did at Radiance. You know, love and marriage, it's like that. Love and marriage, love and marriage, goes together like a horse and carriage. You know that ridiculous sitcom? Uh, it, that's not been my experience. Love and marriage for me is um, not as easy as that. In fact, it's um, not really easy when you're pig-headed and arrogant and downright rude. And I'm not talking about Greg. Take a look in the mirror. Yeah. Um, you see, as I've been reflecting on this word submission this week, there's been lots of different sub-words that have come into my mind. So let's look at a couple. Submerge, going under. Merging together, there's oneness. Or maybe that's a bit far-fetched. Um, maybe submarine, I'm going under, Captain. Doot, doot, doot. No, it's not that. And subway, you know, the subway, the yummy burgers that you eat? Yeah. Um, there's a way that seems right to a man. It's not the subway. It's not the subway. No, it's submission. Submission. And so I've been really thinking about this a lot. And the reality is that... Um, it's a mission to come under. So sub means under. Mission is mission. It's a mission to come under his love, right? So that mission that brings us into this love is also brings us into a completeness and wholeness. And um, it's firstly with God and then our husbands and then each other. So just um, think about that. Oh, goodness, my phone's going crazy. So I want to look at um, Ephesians like we just did before, Ephesians 5.22, and just unpack a couple of these scriptures from my perspective. Um, and it starts with wives. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, I have read this in the past, and I've heard it like this. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. You know, this whole kind of heavy hand approach. And um, the reality is that um, it, it has really rubbed me up the wrong way because I am a wife and I am a woman. Um, but after meditating on it, I realized that actually it's not object, it's subject. 
You know, it doesn't mean that um, I am a doormat or I'm a trophy wife. You know, it's not object. It's it's subject. It's again coming under in love to my husband. Yeah. So in its ability through his love in me to humbly come, humbly come and to be aligned to our husbands. Then it goes on to verse twenty three. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. And I think this is also another scripture that has been, for me, maybe just me, a little hard to take at times. Um, it's often seen as quite negative, the head. But we need to see that as our covering and in as, as our security, the same as Christ is the head of, of the husband. That is the same um, reality that it is for us, if we can grasp that concept. And there's way more responsibility on the husband. We don't need to take that responsibility on ourselves. And actually, that is incredibly freeing when we get that. Um, We need to stop trying to take the head position, woman. We really do. It's not our role, and we need to learn to come under in that submission that I talked about. Um, verse 24 talks about the church. So, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Does this mean, woman, that we don't have a voice? We're in subject to everything. Do you not know that I'm a woman and hear me roar? Have you heard that saying before? Well, how about I'm a woman and hear me roar? R-A-W. The Lord gave the, me the, this this morning, actually, when I was texting Melissa. Hear me roar, R-A-W. Are we actually going to be raw before him? Are we? It takes guts and it takes vulnerability. And that kind of um, approach means that I lay it all bare before the king. And it's a really different reality. Which means that when I do speak... I speak with grace and humility and wisdom and respect to my husband, to my Lord, to my king. It's a completely different approach. So all of that to say, I'm in the journey of this and in the process of this. I'm glad it's a lifelong journey and it's not just a quick sprint because I don't think any of us would get there, to be honest. <laughs> um, so who remembers? Uh, actually, I'm just going to stand up here because I feel like I'm missing people. Is that Okay. Thank you. I need high heels. Thank you. Oh, there's another option for another pair. <laughs> Thank you, Rhonda. <laughs> so um, who remembers when Greg was talking about the bride? Yeah, I think we can all remember that. It was week in and week out, wasn't it? For quite a few weeks. Quite a few weeks. So you guys thought it was rough just hearing it once a week? I'm just being completely open and raw this morning. Um, I heard it every day, every minute of the day, when he woke up, when he went to sleep, sometimes in his dreams, I'm sure he was talking to me about the bride. Um, every social moment, the bride came up. And um, I cringe now, to be honest, as I remember how annoyed and resistant I was to actually hearing the truth behind what was being said. Um, huh. The reality is 
it's of an eternal value. It was and it is still. My ears were deaf and my mind was dull. Remember that chat we had, Shirley? Dull, dull of thinking, dull. I was blunt. And due to my lack of understanding, I had no interest in even engaging in the conversations. I was sitting here Sunday after Sunday. I was listening, but I wasn't hearing. Actually, at times I didn't want to hear, if I'm being really honest. It made me really rather angry, and uh, it brought a huge division between Greg and I. Here's Greg speaking it from the front, and I can't even hear what's going on. My lack of understanding. I felt increasingly distant towards Greg and towards other people that wanted to just talk about it in every moment and situation. I was just like, for goodness sake, I'm a little bit over this. And it's awful to hear me even say that because of the reality that he's brought me into in this moment. And all of my resisting to listen to Greg, he gently did try and realign my thinking and ask questions to help me, but all I heard was, you're just not getting it. Actually, what he was trying to say was, babe, I'm, I'm for you. I'm here. I'm not the enemy. But I couldn't even hear that. How humbling to think that as I realize now, I wasn't just resistant to Greek as my husband, um, but to God and the reality of what he was bringing us as a whole body into the beautiful eternal purpose and invitation for us all, for us all, to be invited to be his bride. This is stunning. Mm. And Greg would just wait and sit in love. And I would stamp my feet and walk the other way. That's love right there. You know, each morning I've um, been reading this Wisdom for Women devotional, start my day, and there was one devotional that really struck me as I thought about my terrible bad behavior in this, and it's entitled Constructive Criticism. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject criticism, you will only harm yourself. And that's from Proverbs 15, 31 to 32. Constructive criticism, is there any such a thing? I know most of us just cringe when someone says, could I talk to you for a moment? Especially when we sense that it may be a little talk about something we've done wrong. Maybe this is because we have never had someone who truly loved us enough to come to us and speak truth into our lives firmly and yet kindly. Most of us are cowards about speaking honestly to others, even when it is breaking our hearts to see them make serious mistakes. This proverb addresses us. We need to be receptive, eager to grow, and eager to repent when confronted with error in our lives. So how can this happen? We read God's word with personal receptivity. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Every morning I sense the Lord speaking to me, but some mornings, honestly, he has a good talking to me 
Is it hard? Yes. Is it good? Yes. It is my heavenly Father fathering me. So when others criticize or correct you, keep your skin thick, but your heart soft. Dawson Trotman said, there is a kernel of truth in every criticism. Look for it, and where you find it, rejoice in its value. And in the moment, I couldn't rejoice in anything, because I couldn't even hear it. And now I thank Greg for not walking the other way. He had every opportunity. Do you know what I mean? This is what marriage looks like for us. When we're trying to journey through this truth, and I could, I was rejecting it thoroughly. And now I'm so grateful and thankful for God's love for Greg first and for Greg's love to God and then through that to me, to be submissive in that and to go, you know what, it's okay, she'll get it. It's okay. The penny will drop at some stage and even if it doesn't, I'm still going to love. Sorry, I'm a notebook girl, so I've got a few down here. <laughs> um, so receptive and eager to grow, and that's really where um, my heart is at the minute. Um, the reality is that Sunday by Sunday, Greg is every opportunity to hang me out to dry because of my bad behavior during the week. Countless examples of blowing it, countless examples of getting angry and this, that, and the other thing, but he chooses to love, and I think I just talked about that before, his graciousness, which is because of the love of the Father and the submission to him. Women, we need to stop putting our husbands down when we are speaking in groups, in social situations. It's not only our husband that we're dishonoring. It's also, and more importantly, God. Um, and he is the one who's actually put them in our lives to start with because they are our covering. Remember we looked at that submission, that our covering, our head, that's a little sobering, isn't it? Yesterday morning, um, as I was waking up, the Lord gave me this picture. And um, it was of a person on this hill. And the hill was a, a um, on the hill, underneath the hill, or on it, just underneath, um, was uh, the cross. And Jesus was on that cross. And uh, the person on the hill was haughty. It was a haughty hill, I like to call it. Just going to get my little picture here so I can explain it better to you. So the person on the hill was haughty, and it was about me, myself, and I. But just under the hill was this cross with Jesus with his arms stretched out like this. And I really felt like in that picture, it was, a, it was a picture of saying that under the cross is under his covering. And when we get off the haughty hill <laughs> of looking down and come under and come under his arms, then we can be on that mission of love. And it looks like this. And that's to God first. And then to our husbands and then everybody else around us. It's a flow-on effect. It's not a hierarchy. We need to stop thinking about it like that. It's an alignment. It's a partnership. It's a togetherness. And it's a oneness. Yeah. 
And I think when we're in that position of vulnerability and sitting before him and just beautifully submitting to him, that's when he speaks to us. That's when he um, speaks to our tender heart because we're in that place of humility. And words of the song have really been speaking to me this week. It's called Just Cry from Mandisa. Why you got to act so strong? Go ahead and take off your brave face. Why are you telling me that nothing's wrong? It's obvious you're not in a good place. Who's telling you to keep it all inside and never let those feelings get past the corner of your eye? You don't need to run. You don't need to speak. Baby, take some time and let those prayers roll down your cheeks. I love what Greg said last week about that Christ loves us into submission. And our husbands are to love us into submission also. It's a bottom-up reality to bring us into true submission. The mission of love, that spiritual oneness to me. Thanks for listening.